Hello everyone, this is Georgina Donna coming to you with another amazing episode of Georgie's Stripping the Dipping. I have a co-host right here with me, it's my dog Duke. Hello Dukey. <laughs> okay, so it's gonna be lights out sooner and we thought of rounding up the past few weeks and get a summary of what's happening and what to expect when the green lights do go out. And from today, we'll be doing a series of F1 episodes and there's a co-host well that not Duke my dog not not him um yeah so there's a co-host oh wow he's growling because I said it's not him okay never mind (laughs) so there's a co-host that's gonna talk and explain and well in simple to summarize and tell you what to expect on the coming up weeks and that's not all yeah you can do that Duke yes okay so that's not all we will be having few of the extraordinary people joining us with these conversations however for today's episode let's welcome my good friend our amazing co-host Denzel Claxon Georgina hello Denzel welcome back to the show (laughs) hello 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 how are you doing I am doing great and I need to say, welcome back to the show and welcome for the whole series of F1 episodes. Yay! <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Honestly, it's such a pleasure to hear that. Um, very happy as well to hear the feedback from the fans and listeners out there too. I hope. That oh my God, they were going crazy about you. Well, you know, this is such lovely things to hear because, you know, I just consider myself a normal person, a normal fan like everyone else. So, oh, you're way behind now. You're a celebrity now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it though. Like, honestly, for me, just like I just consider myself just one of those normal people that watch the, the sport. Maybe I've been watching a bit longer than maybe the average modern fan. But, you know, yeah. it's so great to have that feedback and to hear such positive words. And as I was saying before, I hope that everyone's having a really positive start to the new week. And um, you know, having a great great time. Of course, yay! Double the excitement. (laughs) Of course. Okay, so uh, tell tell us what you've been up to this week, Denzel. So we need to answer your fans as well before we are starting the episode. So let's uh, let us know what you've been up to. Of course. So, yeah, I mean, last week I took part in a 12-hour endurance race uh, in the simulator for a charity event. Uh, It's to raise money and awareness for cancer support. So um, we had been approached by a professional racing driver called uh, Bradley Philpott. He does uh, real-life racing in the Touring Car Series and also in the German Racing Car Series too. So um, in the little esports world that we have, he's saying he wanted to put on this huge show of 60 different teams with multiple drivers basically battling it out on the circuit called Nürburgring. I believe Formula One went there in 2020, but we were on the extended version, which has 165 corners, and it's over nearly 25 kilometers in length. So quite a treacherous and quite um, demanding circuit for a 12-hour kind of charity fundraiser, but a lot of fun. Unfortunately, that we, is um, crazy, and that 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 sounds like super awesome, by the way. Thank you. Well, of course, you know, it's great to be part of it. We were really competitive and we were trying to challenge for top three, but we had a 
bit of a misfortune and bad luck. So unfortunately, only finished uh, P6. But that was out of 20 drivers in our like class or division. So still, you know, to get a top six finish, I think, was a good supportive uh, move. And we're really looking forward to... That's a great achievement, by the way. That's a great achievement. And Aww. half a day. Come on, Denzel. That's not easy. Half a day means like freaking 12 hours means half and half a day literally so that's not easy <laughs> and you placing p6 means like he huge congratulations is on in order <laughs> oh thank you georgina thank you you always not put a smile on my face and yeah like looking back on it i think we can take a lot of positives from it and we, we did raise a lot of money as well for that charity so that's a more important point uh, that the emphasis should be on and it's great that you know we can do things like this and essentially help uh, put forward support and help raise awareness towards parts of the, the world and you know put focus on things that need exactly. a bit more love and support and attention of course I, I don't I don't think there's any negativity in that cause um whatever the cause that you placed p6 and not p1 you learn what the issues were and you can be get ready you can be ready for the next one hopefully and uh place p6 uh from place P1 from P6 because we've seen how Louis went from last to first so why can't you of course anyone can <laughs> <laughs> well you know that is the the yardstick that is the, the aspiration and definitely Lewis is one of the greatest in the sport we say it week in week out and you know he can come through so much adversity so much challenges and probably the topic of today's episode like the testing it's going to be yeah. very interesting how a lot of the drivers adapt and help the teams develop the, the car throughout the course of the season Okay, so let's get back to the topic then. Um, so we had the testings done during the past weeks and there was so much noise with the cars, the designs, the issues. And there was one issue particularly every car had except for the weight issue many teams faced. Let's talk about Popoise. And I do need to say, I need to mention this. Um, those are uh, the few years back. I mean, the high, during the hybrid era, era uh, Anyone with the fastest car can guarantee their win in the whole season. That was not a question. But from this year onwards, uh, starting with the new season, just because you're having the fast car doesn't mean that you're going to win the whole season because while you're having the fastest car, you need to maintain the dynamic stability until the race finishes. If not, then all hell will lo break loose and you will lose. So that's that's something special, I think. So uh, before digging deep into the matter, I do want to mention the fact that the word poor poison is not a strange new thing in F1, but it's new to this year. The reason behind for that is the fact that this issue was last seen roughly four years or so ago when we last had ground effect cars. So Denzel, why do you think we are facing these issues again after 40 years and according to your opinion do you believe the teams will be ready solving this problem by the end of this week for the races uh, great question there georgina and absolutely it's uh it's funny because you'd think that these smart engineers all of them that have been to cambridge and oxford and all the high places <laughs> in society they would have figured it out after 40 years but, but clearly not but uh jokes yeah, aside but no, here we are with the, after 40 years having the same issue <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly it sounds like many problems around the world to be honest but you know yeah to bring it back to the question of course it, is, it isn't something new like you mentioned it is something that has pre-existed in the sport in previous generations and iterations of the car uh, essentially I believe it's mainly to do with the, the teams pushing the limits of the ground effects. So essentially, there's two ways you could generate downforce from a Formula 1 car. You could either put huge wings on it, a bit like you see on an aeroplane, and that yeah. helps to basically push the car to the ground and help remain stability in the corners, either through high or low speed. But the issue you have with that and what we've seen with Formula 1 recently is that when you have all these aerodynamic de- devices on the car, it's very tricky for another car to follow and Mm -hmm. another kin that you can see in comparison to airplanes is that you often hear a thing called turbulence so when a formula one car is following another formula one car there's lots of turbulent air which means it's extremely hard to keep behind another car and follow and overtake. And as fans, we obviously don't want to see a procession and we don't want to see cars going around in circles. The generic saying goes, we want to see overtaking and we want to see wheel-to-wheel racing. So the idea and concept of this is to revert back to ground effects, which essentially is that you have like a Venturi tunnel underneath the car. So essentially mm-hmm. sucks the car to the ground like a Dyson Hoover. I hope Dyson will give me a sponsor there. <laughs> and essentially <laughs> it's a new, well not a new, but it's an alternative way of basically uh, holding the car to the ground and gaining aerodynamic stability. But the issue is with this, Georgina, to see the benefits of the Venturi, the ground effect, you have to basically push the car as low to the ground as possible. And the issue I don't, I don't think that. I think uh, I'm so sorry I'm gonna interrupt uh, you with this. I don't think they have um, noticed this issue because I think it's very hard uh, to measure when they are uh, using the wind tunnel uh, at the at the at the factory because I don't think they are um, it, it might uh, there might be an issue with the belt if they are pushing it way lower when they are in the wind tunnel. So maybe because of that, they didn't actually uh, figure this out yet, maybe? Spot on, Georgina. You've got, like, you should deserve a golden star for that because that's exactly it. Yay! When when Formula 1 teams obviously do their simulations in the wind tunnels and in the actual simulators themselves, there's only so much you can push a computer. There's only so much data that they have. And, of course, they would like to... The kind of point I was getting to in summary is the teams want to try and recuperate as much downforce as they can. But the downside or negative to this is that when you're in a simulator, you don't have all the information, all the conditions, the bumps, the crevices, all the undulations in the road that you might be able to see on a real life circuit. And we also have to bear in mind that racetracks are ever evolving too. They, it's not like, you know, they race at a Formula One track and then they cover the track down and it's like, you know, protected. These tracks are used yeah. by the racing series. They're exposed like Bahrain to extreme heat in the desert. So so the evolution is always changing and for that reason alone you can see that the cars are going to struggle but um will probably lead us into the next question but a lot of teams are trying to find ways around it some people have talked about having a a controlled suspension where essentially you uh, have like a computerized system a bit like they did in the mm-hmm. 90s so it's active suspension that controls the ride height of the car and helps it stabilize through corner to corner you could do that Maybe the second talk that they're talking about is maybe having uh, a, a specific ride height for the qualifying sessions where you can get away Maybe with running the car that low. 
for a couple okay, of laps. Okay, I, 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 I'm going to interrupt you because my dog just <laughs> bounced in the room and he's like looking at me, giving me weird looking. Because <laughs> 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 I'm actually, I, I'm taking his pace apparently. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Um, what I'll do is I'll ask my second question so that you can have, uh, you can explain connecting the first and the second both together. So, um, Mark Hughes, the Grand Prix editor for Motorsport Magazine, he was a um, special contributor for F1 uh, articles as well. So, uh, he mentioned on one of his articles that, ironically, the hydraulic tricks of the suspensions, which have just been banned, would have been very useful in this. So, what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, this is the interesting thing as well, Georgina, because with Formula yeah. One, it's always evolving and there's always innovation and ideas. But the issue is, is that the FIA, they only have so many eyes and so many ears and so many resources. And for them mm -hmm. to just police all of the teams is a huge task. So the issue that you have with the active suspension, because it's something that Williams like basically perfected in the 90s with Damon Hill and Alan Prost, I, I believe in 1993 in those earlier mm -hmm. years, is that um, it's very fast, but the issue with it is it's really tricky to basically police and to monitor and to make sure that the team's not going to abuse. So even in the 90s, they had it, and then the FIA was saying, no, these teams, they're going too, too, too much with this now. Like, they're making the car, like, dance and prance and do things that maybe it shouldn't do, and they have to try and balance innovation with, obviously, the safety of the sport, too. So for that reason, they outlawed it back then. But as you said, and also Mark Hughes has highlighted in that article, it's very ironic that the same things that they outlawed many years ago is something that they may they may have to come back to in the future if it turns out that this porpoising issue can't be resolved with a, a simple fix of the suspension firmness, or it can also cause maybe a, a right like a, a safety issue as well. Okay, so um, what are the significant benefits you see? in Mercedes comparing to the rest of the grid? Because I've seen they also had the same issue, just like the other teams as well. Uh, and I've seen a couple of interviews done by Louise and George where they were not very confident with the car yet, but they do have a history of sandbagging. <laughs> in <laughs> the preseason and then, yeah, kicking the ass of everyone on track afterwards. So there's that. But yeah, so <laughs> what are the significant, uh, significant benefits that you see uh, in Mercedes comparing to the rest of the grid? Well, of course, Regina, when you have Mercedes, the eight-time world champions, you never want to write them off. For yeah. Mercedes, they've come out and said that this entire Bahrain testing sessions that they've been running, it's been more of a data collection exercise rather than them pushing for fast laps. So yeah. that also leads into this uh, spectacle or uh, accusation that maybe they're sandbagging. And it's funny because even when Lewis and George are giving these interviews and saying, oh, no, we, we don't have to fast these cars. We're struggling. You can see them giving like a cheeky They were smile. laughing. They were smiling. <laughs> and I was like, dude. Shut your, shut your mouth and talk. If, you, if, you, if you're holy, you know, they should at least follow their boss, Toto. He has a good poker face. These guys don't. <laughs> it's so true. But, you know, that's ultimately what they get paid for, Georgina. Toto is like the director <laughs> and, you know, he can be very mean and very shrewd when he has to be. But with Lewis and George, I don't think they have a bad bone in their body. So, like you said, it's very hard for them to conceal that kind of... um 
smile or, or that cheekiness to them as well. But it's hard to really say because with Mercedes, I believe that maybe they were one of the teams being really aggressive with the suspension setup they're running. So you definitely saw them suffering from porpoising a lot more and sparks flying underneath the car like yeah. the 4th of July. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to run the car like that in all the other sessions. So maybe, again, like they said, it was just a test experiment where they're testing a philosophy. Maybe they have a different package that they could bring with the suspension that will cure it. And ultimately as well, I think if we're going to talk about Mercedes too, we should also probably highlight their really radical side pod design as well. And I would love to give you the floor space on that as well to get your initial thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and I think we should give them the... Uh, benefit of the doubt because um i think every team has issues with the cars uh since it's a new era it's not the hybrid era they've been running this is a new concept uh and they have these uh, side pods and no side pods and everything has a design in it but um of course they might be having issues definitely they're having issues but i don't think that's going to be a huge impact because mm, looking at their faces obviously uh <laughs> they might be collecting data and they might able to uh, put out a good car uh, than the ones that they are having bar in. Because uh, what I've seen is uh, comparing Barcelona and Bahrain, um, I think the real cars were in Bahrain comparing to Barcelona and the real testings were done in Bahrain than Barcelona. What do you think about that? Absolutely true, Georgina. I agree. And yes, even Mercedes confirmed, funnily enough, with the zero side pod going back to that point, they were actually running that in Barcelona. However, they had like a vanity panel or a wide arch covering it so it wouldn't be visible to the naked eye. So again, like it plays into the gamesmanship that a lot of teams play. They don't want to give away yeah. their secrets. And as you correctly highlighted, a lot of teams essentially brought their full, more representative package to the track in Bahrain. And there's so many different talking points. You know, you had Mercedes with the zero side pods. McLaren were um, going through a bit of a tricky time because also I don't think we mentioned um, Daniel. Hope you're going to feel better soon, buddy. Um, he's contracted COVID and the car was feeling not so well either because it was suffering yeah, from overheating. Exactly, you know, and essentially McLaren had this new brake docks, which they ran in Barcelona. And in Barcelona, it was fine because it's a bit cooler there in Europe at this time of year and uh, less heavy braking events in Barcelona because it's more of a downforce circuit. But in Bahrain, much more like high speed circuit, more heavier braking zones, much more hotter track conditions. They're really struggling to get the car slowed down. So they were experimenting with some new stuff. We also saw the likes of um, Red Bull messing around with some new side pods and also uh, a new floor as well, like some side skirts to basically channel air more efficiently to the rear end of the car to give it more stability, to keep it planted. Um, also, other teams too, even if it's not like a physical um, modification or, or a new package yeah. on the track, there's still internal things going on in the background too. Because for the first time, uh, we also got a, a word with the new Aston Martin team principal. I, I, I hope you're not going to laugh when I mention his name because he also has a quite funny one. His name is Mike Crack, <laughs> I which I found quite amusing. I can't lie. That 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 went that went that went around Twitter when he was introduced as well, and they were like saying, "Oh, we can say uh, uh, this is crack on the grid." <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, you know, and I'm sure that those innuendos and then, um, you know, jokes in his name, they're going to continue to fly for the season. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. he seems like, well, I will give him, you know, some, um, some like, bail and some rope is that uh, he seems like a lovely guy. He has a very cool, preserved energy about him, similar to McLaren's team principal, Andrea Seidel. He was also talking about how essentially... Um, He's German, and Sebastian Vettel is obviously a German driver too. So they have a lot in common, a lot of synergy, lots of intelligent things that they want to bring to the car in the future. So, yeah, there's an interesting contrast between maybe teams that are throwing everything they can at uh, the new season, and a lot of teams are just looking at the long-term run. Like, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, of course, it will be the team that ultimately build the best car throughout the entire season that will be the most successful. What do you think about Haas and then Alpine cars as well? Because uh, uh, I think Haas had the fastest uh, laps during some of the testings done. So uh, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, well, interesting with Haas as well. Um well, I'll come back to the the other big elephant in the room in relation to yeah, Haas. Yeah. But uh, in relation to their car specifically, yes, um, Haas, I don't know if the, the viewers would have this knowledge, but essentially they have benefited from a new uh, NFL, like American-style system with the wind tunnel. So essentially what this means is, is that the richer teams and the higher teams in the grid, like Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull, they've had less time in the wind tunnel compared to the likes of Haas. So as a result, Haas were actually running a very unique shark fin on the engine cover of the car. So the idea behind the philosophy of the shark fin is essentially to give the car more stability in the mid-speed corners and essentially give the car more drivability because as you saw last year Spinita Mazepin wasn't having the best time on circuit last year so um, they're clearly trying to iron out the diva-like characteristics of the car but also you have to say that um, maybe why Haas also had the faster times in the second and third day was because um, Haas were given basically basically more time to test because unfortunately their crate with um, all of the parts for the car was unfortunately delayed. So it would have meant that essentially they would have missed the first day of testing had not it had it not been for some of those parts arriving. So I think the teams came together and I think this was a really good gesture of sportsmanship. The teams came together and said, listen, you know, Haas have already been through quite a lot of trauma in the last couple of weeks. They've lost one of their drivers. They've lost 100 million in terms of one of their investors and sponsors. Um, it wouldn't hurt them to have maybe an extra hour at the end of the sessions. So I believe for them, Haas were probably doing some low uh, fuel runs maybe, which would explain why they were at the top. And also we have to bear in mind as well, Georgina, that uh, Formula One cars are very sensitive to uh, track temperature. Uh, we saw in the mornings that the, t the times were very slow and typically in the 1 minute 33s, 34s. And as the temperatures were coming down throughout the day and the the temperatures were cooler, the, the tires were able to last a bit longer, the engines again more power because they can breathe more easily in the cool air, that that's also where the performance was coming from. So um, nice, of course, to see Haas there at the front, but I also wouldn't bet my house on that either being the case because we <laughs> oh, know that you don't. <laughs> exactly that uh, the more like senior teams much bigger teams like mercedes red bull they're more likely to run their cars in a more conservative engine mode and likely to you know not be giving too much away at this moment and speaking of Haas, uh, we have a new driver. Well, he's not actually new to Haas. New old, again. old new? Yeah, all new, new old. 
Kevin is back <laughs> behind the wheels. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because everyone was expecting uh, somebody uh, new for the seat, and then suddenly it was Kevin, which, by the way, he is very suitable for the Haas uh, seat, and he they shouldn't have actually kicked him out earlier. Uh, they should have kept him, uh, in my opinion, because, uh, uh, I mean, we've seen how Mazepin was performing so <laughs> so um what are you uh what are your thoughts on uh him being back again behind the wheels in f1 oh well georgina it's lovely honestly k mag super kev special k there's so many names for him down the paddock and of course yeah. when he was uh, driving for Haas, he was there for them i think he was there for them from the first season they came into the sport so of course he's got a lot of experience with the mechanics. They really love him. You can see him smiling and having banter with them, which is great. I also think it's a great yardstick for young Mick because of course uh, I feel that a lot of people overlooked Mick's um, performances last year and his like you know almost stable driving. He didn't really have too many mistakes or too many uh, disasters compared to his teammate Mazepin. But of course, yeah. if you're going to go against somebody more experienced, somebody um, with credentials, because Kevin, he's not only a successful Formula One driver, he also has success in sports car racing. His dad, Jan Magnussen, was a Formula One driver in the 90s and early 2000s too. So there's pedigree in his family for racing. And like I mentioned, um, he he was actually a McLaren junior driver as well, like Lewis, coming up through the ranks. So um, he got a podium for McLaren in his first debut race in 2014 at the start of the hybrid era. So, you know, he's no slouch at all. And also linking it back to Haas as well, it's good that they have an experienced driver that will be able to hopefully develop the car and also teach Mick. You also have to look at it as a statement and as of uh, intent from Haas because it would have been easy for Haas to just go and take another pay driver for them to take another driver like um, K-Mag in a situation that maybe doesn't have the financial backing that a younger driver may have or a driver from a richer background would have, I think tells you quite a lot in terms of Haas's intentions and the fact that they're not here just, you know, to basically just take money and just to be a midfield team at the back. But actually, they have and they want to create a strong driver lineup. And I think that that is a really good move from them. And speaking of uh, Haas, and then we can come back to Alfa Romeo, where we have a rookie there as well. Um, we have the Chinese driver, a Chinese driver for the first time in the paddock <clears throat> in F1. Um, and then we have Valtteri Bottas as the partner, partnering driver. So basically, if we look at this, we have an experienced driver and another person who is who's a rookie or well with an experience but not as experienced as the first driver they have who can actually learn from uh, from him so louis and george um and then we have kevin and mick and then we have botas and the chinese driver i am not pronouncing the name because i'm not quite sure with how to pronounce it still i'm getting used to it so i'm not going to use that mistake so yeah what do you think about that i'm so sorry for not telling his name though <laughs> no it's fine guan Zhou, or um i believe oh. that he also in china sometimes they invert the first and last name so it's Zhou guan yu but uh yes i was really impressed 
<laughs> by his <laughs> um his initial kind of days of testing in Bahrain too. We didn't see too many mistakes from him or him crashing the car or anything too silly before the start of the new season. Of course, as well, like you mentioned, he's got Bottas, which is a very experienced driver. He's worked and helped Mercedes earn their Constructors' Championships since 2017 too. So a very experienced driver in Bottas. And with Alfa Romeo, you can see there's a feel-good factor there as well. Um, they're one of the teams as well that benefited from a lot more wind tunnel uh, time compared to the bigger mm -hmm. teams. And also, um, what's quite funny is on the first day of testing, I remember seeing them put a very unique uh, aero device on the front, the tip of the front nose wing. Uh, essentially, it looked a bit like Yoda with two wings, like pointing out like Yoda's is. <laughs> but maybe they want us to join the dark side. But uh, to bring it to the technical side of it, no, um, essentially that device they put on the car to measure the movement of the front wing and the end plates. So on the side of the front wings, how much movement they were getting going into the corners and on the streets. So again, uh, you wouldn't believe that a team like that wouldn't be doing things like that if they weren't serious about trying to be more competitive. Yeah. Maybe you can argue with the additional time that they've had in the wind tunnel. Maybe there's a philosophy that they have with the front wing. I know that it's mainly the focus has been on the ground effects and the diffuser and the rear of the car. But you have to bear in mind that the front of the car is the first part that goes through the corner. So it's equally as important. And if they can revolutionize something there or come up with something unique or wacky or a new concept, which is uh, groundbreaking compared to the other teams, then I'm very positive that the other teams will try and follow that too. So yeah, but you know, back to Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu, he's been really impressive. I like his demeanor as well. He, he doesn't come across as a spoiled, like rich kid that you know just gets everything that he wants he comes across yeah. quite humble somebody that's willing to learn and take things in and those are the characters which i think the sport really embraces because nobody unless you lose hamilton of course wink wink <laughs> nobody is perfect <laughs> or infallible or you know void of making mistakes everybody is human at the end of the day and as long as you continue to learn and try and make as much progress as you can nobody is going to have anything to say against you and again like you know he's the first chinese driver so that is super exciting it's a really good move from the sport as well and as long as he can match bottas and learn and pick up as many things as he can i think he's going to be a great addition for the long-term prospects of alfa Milda. Okay, and finally, I'm going to ask you this. As of now, with the results of testing and the statements the drivers issued and everything, whom do you think is in front and what's your prediction on the first poll of the season? Ooh, very, very nice spicy question there, Georgina, to round us off. And listen, I, I am a Mercedes fan. I don't hold my bias in any way, shape or form. But also you, you have to take your Mercedes hat off sometimes and look at what's happening on track. And I have yeah. to believe that overall, Ferrari to me seem to have just the most stress-free uh, testing days. They're really competitive yeah. pretty much every single day. Um, they didn't have too many technical issues or limitations or reliability problems stopping them on track, which is great for them as well. You look at that car and it's quite radical in the way it looks. It's very different from any other cars. Some other journalists have been quick to mention that it's got some uh, scalloped side pods, which is, again, a nod to like the 90s and a way of re reducing the surface area drag. So it means to say that the car is going to be extremely quick in a, in a straight line too. So um, I'm going to say that Ferrari look to me like the favourites, but again, you can't count out Red Bull. You can't count out Mercedes either. 
Uh, also, it's nice to see that the midfield seem to be a bit more bunched up as well. On occasions, we've seen Esteban Ocon up there with the Alpine. We've seen the likes of uh, Alfatari with the likes of Gasly and Sonoda up there too. Uh, Stroll and, and obviously um, Vettel as well were quite awesome to see up there as well. And again, it, it's not been maybe the greatest start or how McLaren would have wanted to enter a season with maybe a driver on the sidelines. But uh, McLaren have always been known to be able to develop a car throughout a season too. So you can't root them out or knock them out of contention either. And that actually brings me to some additional points since we've got a bit of extra time as well, Georgina. Um, if Ricardo can't make it back for the Bahrain Grand Prix in time, who do you think will take that seat um, to replace him? Oscar and who would you like to see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair. And I, I think um, there's been a lot of debate on that one because I think Oscar Piastri would be deserving of having a chance yeah. to drive that car. Uh, there's but a word, also... there's a word. Deserving, there's a <laughs> deserving. word. Of course, we, we, we have to apply that when <clears throat> Mazepin and drivers like that are around. But... Um, you also yeah, I mean, the guess. guy was winning, yeah, because uh, he was winning all these rookie championships um, conservatively. So I think he deserves a seat. And if Daniel is going to be missing, then I think it should be Oscar on the seat. But that's just my opinion. There might be several options other, out there. We never know. Because we never expected Kevin to be back behind the horse wheels. And, well, here he is. Yeah, he disappeared. And like I mentioned as well, like with McLaren, that would be an interesting one because although it, it would be a good story to give, obviously, Oscar a chance, he's not uh, a McLaren driver. He's from the Alpine Renault family. So yeah. I believe uh, historically that McLaren have a relationship with Mercedes Benz in relation to their driver program. So it could be the case where they look to seek the um, assistance of Nick DeFries. He's the ruling Formula E world champion, and he also won an F2 championship as well. But like Oscar yeah. Piastri, didn't get a seat in Formula 1 at the time. Also, um, another Mercedes McLaren driver that's in the reserves is Stoffel Van Dorn, which again is quite ironic because Stoffel Van Dorn was a, a McLaren driver previously in the 2018 and I believe 2019 season there. Um, he also stepped in for Fernando Alonso for McLaren when uh, Alonso had a quite serious crash I think in 2016 or 15 and he broke his ribs. So um, they might seek to rely on those two as well. But like, I, mm -hmm. like you said, I believe that what you said is correct and it would be, out of all of them, probably Oscar Piastri, which is the most deserving and probably the most relevant. But again, because of his ties with Alpine, I don't know if in this instance that might curtail him from getting the opportunity. But yeah. I have no doubt that, you know, Oscar will get his um, his shot. And in relation to that as well, there's two other points I wanted to bring as well, Georgina. Uh, one, I've seen a lot of um, stick on the internet for um, Alban versus Latifi. I, I know that we haven't really given uh, Williams too much love on that one. So I wanted to <laughs> ask you as well, just um, what are your thoughts on the Alban versus Latifi fight? Um, well, um, I'll answer that first. Um, when it comes for Alban, he actually ruined his uh, opportunities when he was in Red Bull. It was not Luis's uh, mistake. There were mistakes done by him. So I hope that he has learned from those mistakes and he's bringing his A game to Williams as well. 
So, um, but however, I think Latifi is being uh, running with the track more than Albon did. So I, I, I don't know, but there might be a huge, not that much of a fight maybe, but um, I think Latifi might actually place and perform better than Albon. But I do need to accept the fact that Albon is actually very talented. So we never know. Of course, I think that's a great point. And it's a really balancing like topic, this one. Because whilst Latifi, he was a bit underwhelming in his first season. In his second season last year, he improved. He got points for the team in, in Hungary. Um you, you never saw him getting like lapped or smashed on race day by uh, George Russell in comparison to some other um, team combinations there, <coughs> Ricardo and uh, Lando Norris or <laughs> even Mazepin <laughs> and Mick. So, you know, he's no slouch. And of course, even with Albon, whilst um, I don't think he made the most of his opportunity at Red Bull, it's always going to be a difficult um challenge for him to go up against Max. I don't think in the last seven years we've seen any driver come out on top of Max in relation to a championship fight. I don't recall or remember like a teammate convincingly beating Max every single weekend. So, um, you know, the fact that... I think that uh, that was mentioned by uh, McLaren team principal as well. Uh, He was uh, mentioned, Zach Brown, he was mentioning that issue as well when it comes to Red Bull. uh, They've been... um, missing a few drivers not giving the proper opportunities for them um and he mentioned regarding Albon, Gasly, uh, a lot of names so yeah and I think uh when it comes for most of the drivers um it's better to start with uh, a car like Haas or Alfa Romeo or Alpine I'm not um I'm not degrading the cars but when it comes to Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari, those cars are like very, very way powerful than the rest of the grid. Uh, I think I'm correct. I hope that I'm correct. <laughs> um, so um, for some of the drivers who are coming as rookies, it might be hard for them to get familiar with the car. So there might have been an issue with Albon when it comes to Red Bull as well. But um there is also an issue when it comes to uh opportunities within red bull when there's max and the rest of the drivers as well so absolutely that is so true and it's a dark art of trying to find the edge of performance and just promoting the best to the top teams but at the same time giving people a fair chance to flourish and actually develop especially if they're putting in the effort and you know they're behaving well and not putting the team in a negative spotlight either and that also kind of brings me i think we should t- like turn this section um georgina into denzel's run of the week because there's always something <laughs> that like triggers me and this next three or four minutes is going to be for the trolls out there because um one other thing i I'd like to point out and a shout out I'll give to is um, Sebastian Vettel. Um, throughout testing, he was wearing a, a modified or adapted uh, crash helmet with the Ukraine colors showing support for, you know, the crisis and invasion happening around the world, of course, which I think is a good cause. But getting yeah. to my actual point, I saw a lot of trolls. I won't even call them fans. I'll call them trolls underneath the bridge. Yeah. Basically using uh, a, an event that happened on Thursday, or I believe it might have even been Wednesday, 
to try and smear the GOAT, Lewis Hamilton, because I don't know if you're aware of this or if you saw it on the internet. I'm sure you did. The teams basically took a photo opportunity with each other on Yeah, Wednesday but Lewis was not having the proper time schedules with his flights. He missed his flight. And then there were uh, issues. Uh, I know what you're going to talk about. It means uh, there are people, tr- the trolls, obviously. I'm, I'm not going to call them fans either. Um, the trolls were claiming uh, Luis missing all these and uh, then mentioning where uh, where is this activist, the political activist, and he was there for Black, Black Lives Matters and this and that. But the thing is, like, when it comes to Luis, if even if he does something, he's wrong. Even if he doesn't do something, doesn't uh, get any actions, he's wrong. So whatever he does or doesn't, he's wrong in the end for these people. Exactly, Georgina. And you, you basically said, you, you it's like you're right, a mind reader. You, you knew what I was going to come to you because you're right, you know, damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. And I'm sick of these people and these people just need to go and find something else to do with their time more constructive because... Firstly of all, like you correctly mentioned, Lewis didn't miss the opportunity because he wanted to. His flight was delayed and that's why he wasn't there. But also, Lewis has done more for this sport than what people that have been in this sport for nearly 50 or 60 years for the sport have done for it. So I don't understand where these people have this entitlement that they feel what Lewis should and shouldn't say when they're always condemning him anyway. And, you know, even if Lewis had decided that he wasn't going to speak out about Ukraine, that shouldn't be an issue because Lewis yeah, that's been his activist choice. for yeah, it's his choice. He's always been an activist for change, and people didn't appreciate it back then. So why is there emphasis on this now? So yeah, lots of trolls and lots of um, you know, people out there. I hope that um, you know, they get kicked out of the sport like Mazepin, <laughs> and uh, you know, that, yeah, they just find something more constructive to do, man. Because well, I, really I think fair. this is utterly uh, based on jealousy and nothing else. Um, because criticism is okay. You get criticized, you learn from things and all. But this is way beyond the fact that this is just a normal criticism that he's facing. This is way beyond the level of criticism where everything he does is getting pinpointed. So you can't actually satisfy every single person on earth. You can't, uh, even if you take five fingers off our hand, each finger is different. So uh, people are different. And the fact that we see a lot of negativity is, I think it uh, uh, runs down back to the mental health, the mentality that they hold. Uh, There might be issues. There might be jealousy, the envy towards Louis and what he has achieved and uh, what they haven't achieved in their lives. So there might be, you know, how uh, Meghan Markle is, uh, was getting all these criticism just because he, she married uh, Prince Harry. At that time, during that period, it was out of utter jealousy because she got married uh, a prince and the rest didn't, weirdly. <laughs> That's weird, but yeah, so it was there. And then we saw how... Landon Norris was getting criticized by his own fans just for the fact that he actually got a girlfriend. So I think all these behaviors run downs back for the topic of jealousy and the, the mental statement that they are having all, all, all around. So, you know, we can't change people, but we can change ourselves. And whatever they say, even if somebody's going to insult us, if you're not going to admit that and if you're not going to uh, take that for our hearts, 
then that's just words flying away. You know, it's hard. Of course, it's hard for us to understand that. Of course, we are also emotional people. We do get angry. We do get uh, sad. We feel bad for ourselves. Uh, even our blood boils sometimes. But we need to understand that we are not supposed to fall down to their levels because we are already uh, one level up than them. So we are not supposed to look down. We are supposed to look up. Absolutely. That's what I think. <laughs> Well, true words are never spoken, Georgina. I agree with you. You know, we we don't give these people too much attention anyway. But I feel at times as well, you do have to address them and just educate them too, because it's clear that these yeah. people they they didn't read many books when they went to school. So <laughs> that's why they're very ignorant. But you know, it's okay, yeah. and that's like why I enjoyed this podcast too, because it's a learning experience for everyone. And at the end, yeah. we're all just looking forward to seeing some great. And action. and and I think Denzel, when it comes for most of these uh, people on Twitter or on Gram, anywhere on social media, what they want is attention. So they will go beyond the trend if the trend is about criticizing Louise and getting more likes and retweets and more followers, then they will gladly do that. Because uh, nowadays, most of the people, their lives depending on depends on social media, apparently, not the real lives. They don't they are not valuing the real life, they are more valuing the virtual life they're having. So they would rather get more followers and more likes than the inner peace that they should be having you know so there's that so true so true georgina no, absolutely and yeah it, it's a shame but of course you know like you said we, we can only like you know do our thing and at the end of the day it's not gonna ruin our party especially when i see my boy lewis and george p1 and p2 Oh yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the eighth championship officially and unofficially, definitely it's going to be the ninth. Definitely, definitely. I think anytime you see uh that uh Red Bull car, you're always gonna put asterisks next to it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, even when we treat championship, we put asterisks when we talk about <laughs> it. So <laughs> that's given. <laughs> exactly. Alrighty, so we're going to wrap up this episode and we will be back with our man, the best amazing person, <laughs> Denzel, Aww. to talk about more. Um, so uh, do follow us on Twitter and Denzel have his own amazing YouTube channel that he does. Um, and his uh, Twitter is AMG Denz, right? Yes, that is correct. And your channel is? Literally, AMG Denz. Okay, so you guys can follow up, subscribe to his channel and follow him on Twitter and send your thoughts, your feedbacks to us. You can follow me on Gram and Twitter as well by Georgina Dona. And you guys can actually let us know the topics and the questions that you want to talk about. And if you're not going to agree with us, then do let us know why. And if you're agreeing with us, then high five, sister. <laughs> Uh, okay so then we're gonna wrap it up and say bye bye and have an amazing week and see you after the first race of this whole season Mwah. take it easy guys